Oh my god, how can there be so many ads? Because you don't have ad blocker. Shh. Okay. I'm sensing judgment. And I don't want it. Well, you know, the bisexuals were also very judgy. Hello! <laughs> Welcome back to Awkward Erotica with me, Sophia, and her, Melina. Oh my god, amazing. We, we have names. I can say I feel my like name. we <laughs> never introduce ourselves, which is fine. It's always the two of us. Surprise. I know. We don't change. Maybe one day we will. I've considered changing my name to something. To Oxana? Rocco. <laughs> From now on, please call me Rocco. I will not. I'll start wearing muscle shirts, going to the gym. I'll get a tattoo of an anchor that says, love mom. Yeah, I'd be on board for that. I still won't call you Rocco. But. And then I'll, like, style my hair. Basically, I'm, I'm going to be Polly D, is what I'm saying. This is my lifelong dream, is just to be Polly D. I was going to say, fun fact, Sophia loves Polly Oh, I love him so, so much. much. He's so, he's just, like, he's everything I want in a reality TV star, you know? What a personality. <laughs> but, like, what a nice guy. He just seems so sweet. He's just there having fun. He stays in his fucking lane. Yeah. He knows who he is and what he does. And he's just like, hey. Also, he works real hard. <laughs> he does. He works so hard. He DJs all the time. He's, like, on this reality TV show. And then he's like, hi, I gotta go work. I work all the time. Uh, he's raising his daughter. He loves her. He talks about how much he loves her. But, like, not too much. Because he he's not gonna put her in the public eye like that. I don't know. He just seems like a real stand-up guy, is what I'm saying. So really what you're saying is, Polly, do you please sponsor this podcast? <laughs> I don't think that, like, that's how sponsorship works. I think that it is. I don't is. think it's, like, individuals are just like, I sponsor this podcast. I mean, an endorsement? Yeah, Polly, do you please endorse this podcast? Yeah. Um, you're great. <laughs> you're everything I want to be. I would like to be on Jersey Shore, not really. No, I think that would be awful. It's very fun to watch, but I would not want to Like, be it on would it. be awful. Also, what would I contribute to that program? <laughs> like, literally nothing. I have nothing to offer them. Biting commentary. Yeah, really? Now they got Vinny for that. Sorry, I know too much about um, Jersey Shore. Too I much or just <laughs> enough? <laughs> Definitely too much. <laughs> um... Okay, this has nothing to do with anything. Welcome to our podcast. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's, I think we got some rage we gotta get out. We do. So, when you hear this, it will probably no longer be Pride Month, but let's be real, Pride Month is every month because, uh... Rainbows. Rainbows. That's not true. <laughs> no. That was terrible. Because people's rights matter. That's why. <laughs> yeah, that's why. <laughs> okay! I, I am bisexual, by the way. <laughs> I'm not just saying... That's how I'm going to cut it. I'm just going to cut it with, I am bisexual, okay? What I was trying to say is we exist all year round. We the don't bisexuals? Just, yeah. Well, all they of They pop us. out at Pride and then they crawl back into their little bisexual holes. Yeah, the queer community. We exist all year round, not just during June. That's what I was trying to say, but I was trying to do it funny and that's where I went wrong. Mm -hmm. I'm not funny. Mm-hmm. It's a classic bisexual trait. It's lack of funny. funniness Thanks. oh i'm gonna cry okay point me <laughs> while we're recording this it is pride month we have a point i know it's hard to believe uh but we have a point yeah the uh, point is corporate pride sucks it's gross 
it's really weird ha- when you have these companies coming out of nowhere all of a sudden being like, yay for the gays. And you're like, I'm sorry, where have you, what, how is this your business? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, truly. I mean, like, my particular, I mean, they're all bad, but my particular gripe is Victoria's Secret um, this year because they did this, like, tweet and they were like, we support, and they had rainbows everywhere. And I was like, you remember when not that long ago you were like, we're not going to let trans people walk in our show? Like, you remember that? You remember when you were like, we're presenting a sexual fantasy as if to imply that trans people cannot be your fantasy or that they are not sexy? Like, that's like so, it's so bogus and stupid. And, and I don't know how many other words I can come up with for bogus, but it's all of them, certainly. Well, and the other problem, too, is that there are these corporations who will deck themselves out for pride, but then will also donate lots of money to political parties who are anti, like, LGBTQ rights, marriage, equality, etc. AT&T, um donating many monies so many monies that i can't i can't read it out to you because i'm bad at math um to anti-gay politicians and then being like but a rainbow and you're like that's cute but it's not it's not cute at all no ups um comcast home depot fuck you home depot that's wild home depot who would have thought that you're gonna be stabbed in the back by home depot also home depot st- why are you donating to politicians why are all? why are any i don't i don't this i don't i don't know donate um, some like lovely woodworker fucking fedex i don't know god damn it that's also bizarre why are you verizon like can't trust phone companies that's what we've learned um, and then they, like, pull out the stops during Pride Month because they know that they can make money. They're totally capitalizing on people's rights while at the same time working against people's rights. So don't give your money to those companies is what I'm saying. And also don't just trust something is is pro-equality because they have a rainbow on their, uh, you know, front door. No, and during Pride, if you want to buy something, if you want to get merch, if you want to get a cute Pride shirt, whatever, look in your area, find your local queer artists and support them. They're around, I promise you, not hard to find, especially during Pride. Support them. That's where you should be putting your money. Yeah. Uh, Be a conscious consumer. Yeah, which I'm not always good at, but I... No, sometimes we're lazy, okay, and we're broke. Sometimes we can't afford to have a conscience. (laughs) Um, And that's life. Uh, and it sucks. But be aware. I also, yeah, I just, I, I hate it. I hate that we can only ever support things when it's in our own self-interest. Yeah. Um, that's, like, such a big part of our culture, and it drives me insane. And I also think with something like Pride, it's part of the reason that so much of the the history and the like core of of what that movement is is getting lost people are starting to see it more as like a parade like santa claus parade and less like uh the march and the rally uh and the protest that it started out as and that's not to say that it shouldn't be like fun and celebratory it totally should but when you have all of these corporations in there with their brands and their logos and their fucking floats and whatever you the message um and the heart of it, I feel like, gets really lost. And it confuses 
people who don't have the foresight to educate themselves on yeah. on what this is. And I think that like it should be a celebration and it should be fun. It's just I think you're right. We like lose it along the way. Like the corporations, yeah. like you sort of get lost in the commercialization of it. And I also don't think that that helps anybody. Like it'd be one thing if like, you know, AT&T or Verizon Wireless or whatever put their money where their mouth is all year round and supported pro-LGBTQ candidates or supported, you know, like queer peer mentoring groups, which exist. Or even within their own companies. Yeah, absolutely. If they promote, you know, stuff as simple as non-gendered bathrooms. Yeah. Sometimes it's easy to think about this stuff as abstracts, like, oh, it's a big corporation, whatever, like, you don't really think about it. But there are actual people who work for those corporations. There are people who are affected by the laws that um, anti-LGBT, tbq uh politicians enact like there are real people at the other side of this and i think it's really easy to forget that this matters and it's really unconscionable that these corporations are just like fucking banking on this yeah um and i know that that's what they do but i just think that sometimes we need to remind ourselves how shitty that is yeah like we just become kind of numb to the lack of morals in business and like it doesn't have to be that way we could live in a world where we held corporations accountable for their actions yeah it's really easy to feel powerless in society um and some of the only power we have is where we put our money because our society runs around money so um sometimes the most power you have is as a consumer so where you put your money really really matters right you know you gotta start somewhere you gotta start with something i think that's the other thing sometimes these problems feel so large it's very like defeating but if you just do one thing a couple times talk to a couple people i mean we're all just out here trying our fucking best man (laughs) yeah it's rough it's a hard knock life as uh the great philosopher annie i for a second could not remember where that was from i was like i've also never seen annie so i don't know uh you know girl has no parents gets parents (laughs) (laughs) it's great Annie. Good summer. Good summer. <laughs> the sun will come out tomorrow unless it's raining. <laughs> then it won't. Then it won't. Cool. Um, well, I feel like I've seen it. Yeah. You, be, you, you There you go. Cool. That's it. One time, Sophia reenacted all of, like, all of her twist for me in the span of, like, 15 <laughs> minutes, including dance and song, and it was truly... Even though Oliver Twist is not a musical. No. <laughs> was it? No, it wasn't. It was Mary Poppins, not Oliver Twist. Was it Mary Poppins? Oh, it was Mary, Mary Poppins. Poppins. Guys, oof, Mary Poppins. It was because I had never seen Mary Poppins, and everyone was like, "What?" Yeah, everyone was like, "What?" And then Sophia was like, "I got this. I got it." And it was truly do fifteen minutes of just like a glorious. uh, Mary Poppins is wild. It is a wild gem from the reenactment about a badass bitch. Yeah, kind of seemed a little bit like an LSD trip. I mean, it is a little bit like an (laughs) LSD trip. So I did a great job. Yeah, great, excellent. Uh, let's talk about gender let's talk about gender i just have such a great voice um i just realize that every time i'm forced to listen to these podcasts oh just how great my voice is. i think that everybody feels that way when they hear their own voice they're just like what is that what i sound like i don't think that's That's true i think there's people who hear their voice and they're like yeah well good for them (laughs) <laughs> we don't have that kind of confidence here we don't have that kind of confidence here at o- awkward erotica no we <laughs> that's the awkward part of the erotica yeah. yeah um yeah we're gonna talk about gender and sex if you couldn't get from sophia's beautiful song we're gonna talk about 
Jenner. So, Melina. Yeah. Uh, l- let me share my thesis with you. Great. There's two genders. Okay. What do you think about that? No. Wow. <laughs> Fucking rude. <laughs> well. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. You know, why do you need me? You don't. It's whatever, it's not a big deal. Oh my god. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this. <laughs> That's fine. We're all here waiting. We got lots of time. Gender is a construct. This we've heard many a time. What? Yeah, many a time. It has nothing to do with inherently who you are as a person. It's not like embedded in your DNA or your whatever. It's like a thing that society is like, oh, let's do this because we need this. Mostly because of capitalism. A little bit because of power. I think power, because yeah. gender constructs exist pre-capitalism. I think that there are certain parts of capitalism that really like to yeah. exaggerate gender boxes. I mean, that's not correct, but you know what I mean. Yeah, but also, it, that's not my thesis. That's a that's not my thesis. I mean, that's <laughs> Kelly Ferguson's got thesis. It, got it, got it, <laughs> And she lays it out really well. I'm not going to do it because that's I'm fine. not a scholar. Listen, if we want to talk to Kelly, we'd fucking talk <laughs> we to Kelly, but Kelly. she's not here, so fuck you, Kelly. I'm also only, like, 80% sure her first name is Kelly, but I, <laughs> in our show notes... So I'm just- Cussing out some random random girl named Kelly God. I'll link it. It's really, it's a a really interesting, it's sort of like um, a summary of how the construct of gender um, bolstered and like set up capitalism to work the way that it does. Yeah. Gender is a construct. But there's a difference between gender and sex. Yeah, there is. But she set me up. (laughs) She set me up. You know. Because she's always here to support me. I'm just... Um, so for those of you who are interested in this kind of stuff, you might have heard of Cordelia Fine, who I am in love with. She's, like, lovely and so funny. Is she as cool as Polly D? <laughs> I don't know. Well, who's as cool as Polly D? Does she have a chain with her own face on it? I'd hope so. I hope someone would do that for her. She's great. She's written sort of two great books on this. One of them is uh, Delusions of Gender, which is great. I got that for you for your birthday last year. Hey. And Testosterone Rex, which is, like, arguably one of my favorite nonfiction books ever written. But she talks about this thing... Or she's like, we we always say this, even to, like, progressives. They're like, gender is a construct and there's two sexes. That's how we talk about it and that's how we understand it. But she kind of touches on in this book how that's actually not really true. Like the thought process behind that, right, is that, like, gender is socialized and sex is biological. Exactly, yeah. Sex is what you're born with. Exactly, exactly. And so, um... I think a lot of the science that comes up around that that supports the fact that there is only two sexes has to do with the fact that we often look for things that confirm our own like wants about society or like we have we're like this is what we think and so let me now look for science that supports that ain't that the truth (laughs) yeah and so there's a lot of and like once like um more kinds of people started entering the scientific field they have more kinds of thoughts on things which is great but there, it turns out that even within sex, there is such a spectrum because we often think of like chromosomes. If you have these chromosomes, you are male. If you have these chromosomes, you are female. But within chromosomes, there are different makeups of chromosomes. There are different makeups of genes within chromosomes. And it turns out that we just don't actually understand how any of those things affect your brain at all. Like we hear like the male brain or like the female brain because there's this conception that a certain makeup of chromosomes and a certain makeup of hormones create a certain kind of brain. But that's like not how that works at all. And it blew my mind. She was like, so far we've discovered somewhere between like 12 and 15 sexes. And that's only what we've discovered. So, like, it's just a whole wild thing that we don't understand. And I think 
actually are unwilling to understand. Yeah, well, for sure. I think anything that challenges the structures we've put in place that explain to us how the world works, uh, we're just like, nope, don't want to deal with that. Throw it out. Throw it in the trash. Like, it's too hard. It's too hard to rethink my entire worldview, my entire conception of self of myself and and to be fair i get that it is it is a difficult thing to come to terms with because you go through life especially something so personal so closely tied to identity as sort of like sex and gender are um partially because we place a ridiculous amount of emphasis on those things but to then have someone be like surprised you actually don't know yourself at all is yeah radical and also, if you're someone whose worldview is really tied to, say, religion, religion definitely breaks the world very much down by gender, by two genders, male, female. And I think that's also very hard because religion is supposed to know the shit. And then they're like, religion didn't know the shit. And then you're like, nope, can't compute. That's not right. Blah. Absolutely, and what I find really interesting is often, so, like, science often replaces religion when religion goes out the window, and I'm not, like, we need science, let me get this straight, we do, but I think that there is this mistake in saying that, okay, this is the science, that's it, we do no more science, this is the one thing, and that's kind of what happened with this. She also, in Testosterone Rex, I'm just gonna sell this book this whole episode, because it really did, like, blow my fucking mind. But um, she talks about this too, like you have this um, theory that comes up that women are passive and coy, quote unquote. Turns out that was based off of like one study that was not replicable, that like was not credible. It was also like discredited, but we keep using it because no one's paying attention to the other science and you hear that all the time. And it confirms what we think to and be true. And it confirms what we think to be uh, true. Another big thing with that was this idea that... Um, with uh, procreation, with um, fertilization, yeah, it's always described as the the male half of that, the the sperm bit is the active bit, and yeah. the female part of that is the passive bit. Yeah, and then studies came out a few years ago where they're like, actually, that's not the case, and the egg is like way more actively involved in this than we think that it is. Yeah. Um, and and all of that sounds like nitpicking, but. But the language that was used to describe that process is very telling, right? Yeah. It, it bleeds into other things. And and one of my big issues, like science 100% replaces religion as the lens through which you understand the world around you, through which you understand reality. And we, we need science. Like, we understand things through research. That's what science is, right? It's looking around at the world and it's testing things out and it's, it's trying to find answers for things. And that's all brilliant but but we do have this lack of dialogue around the fact that science makes mistakes that science is not infallible and that science is subjective anything that any human being touches is subjective um like you were saying we we look for answers that confirm our own biases part of the problem with starting any kind of experiment with a hypothesis is you're looking for data that's going to prove that hypothesis and, and you have to take into account the, the narratives that are affecting the people who are doing these experiments, that are doing these studies. Our understanding of gender is then going to impact the way that you look at something like conception. They're like, well, women are female. 
and therefore (laughs) they are passive yeah men masculine therefore active so that's probably how this happened yeah well there's like a couple great examples of that in her book like one of them that i like a lot is that um a bunch of and anthropology is really like all science is subjective but anthropology in particular because you're sort of making guesstimates and it's real expensive it's <laughs> that was joke. a joke folks there's a store called anthropology and it's real fancy and they don't let me in the doors anyways please continue <laughs> jokes are really funny when you explain them i love it yeah um so basically there's a scientist that's like men develop language because hunting it's more than that but that's sort of that's the all basis. you need to know and then this like f- and th- this sort of happens because science is all men and whatever they're not thinking about it and then like this like woman comes in and she's like that no like do you know how much communication it takes to raise and children like if we're going off that if we're going off the basis that well they'd have to communicate to hunt so therefore they develop language if that's the basis, you have to communicate to raise children, to, to ration food. Also, to, like, surely what? hunting <laughs> requires less verbal communication because animals get scared. <laughs> sure, like, yeah. Surely when we're hunting, we're using other forms yeah. of communication. We're not like, yo, Joe! Yeah. Yo, you see that deer over there, Joe? Yeah. Not, not anymore, I ran away! Yeah, <laughs> and that's in Inferior, which is another really good book that sort of, like, breaks us down. The other thing that I that blew my mind that's kind of related to this is like Cordelia Fine, she like says this thing where she's like, maybe it's not that women are inherently or biologically coy and passive, but it's that to protect themselves from rape and violence, they have become that way. And that is something that exists in the animal kingdom, that exists like in humans. Like that's like because they were doing all these studies on like apes bonobos like different kinds of like primates and she was like i think that you're just seeing it this way because this is what you want to be true but actually like this is a survival tactic that's what it is to be coy and passive is to survive well and this is now going slightly off on a tangent (laughs) but i just feel like that really plays into the conversations we have these days surrounding sexual assault and surrounding yeah. rape and and so many of the criticisms that are um, thrown at these women who come forward with these accusations is well why weren't you louder why didn't you fight back harder why did you walk into that room why didn't you leave that room yeah as though we don't all know how society works or how women are raised like that's such a big part of of the way that that women are taught to be, that you are passive. And I, I think there is, too, this idea that it's like, okay, I'm in this situation that I don't want to be in, yeah. and I'm uncomfortable, but if I start being aggressive, he's going to be aggressive back, and then this turns from a situation that I don't want to a situation I don't walk away from. Yeah. And you have to make that choice. And I just feel like in all of this discussion about was this rape, was this not rape, like did you say no hard enough or loud enough or detectable enough i don't know like that gets so lost that sort of survival instinct where you're like okay if i'm just still and quiet maybe i don't die here yeah maybe I don't <laughs> like it's, maybe i don't die it's here. a constant series of calculations that get you to how, how do i not die here yeah that's what it is that's getting dressed that's which street do i walk down yeah it's like a series of yeah no absolutely rape is such a large part of the 
the history of femaleness. Like, I, I'm not an anthropologist, but just as a historian, I, I you see it a lot. Yeah. We hear about it a lot. Most of the time, we don't even acknowledge it. Even in our fictions, even in myths, right? Yeah. Women are always getting raped, and it's just like we don't even bat an eye, right? We don't yeah. even blink. But we're consuming that media. Like, we're consuming that content. We are so comfortable with that. Uh, you shows like Game of Thrones, uh, any kind of historical drama. I know that that's like a drama. I understand that that's fiction, but I'm just saying, again, it's media you're that we're consuming, consuming it, yeah. and it is a position that we're so used to having women in. Yeah. Uh, and and it's a position that women were in for like the majority of, of, their like they didn't get to choose their sexual partners. They didn't get to choose yeah when they had sex. That was not seen as their prerogative. And I'm not saying that that means that, like, every time in the past that a woman had sex, it was because she was being forced. Obviously, that's not true. But, but I, I do think we underestimate how many times that was the case. Or at the very least, that that was socially acceptable. Yeah. That it was not, like, that we've grown up where that's part of the story of, of the female role in female sexuality is passivity and... Um, a lack of desire like you're probably you probably don't want this he probably wants this and yeah. that's okay that is a line that we're still told today those things like they're part of how we learn gender and like I was listening to keep it which is another podcast which is great which you should listen to it's awesome but they had a guest on who I swear to god I cannot find the episode now and I wish I remembered his name but I don't I'm sorry this is you're not listening to this but I'm still sorry um, and he was saying he was like, kids come out just doing what they want to do and not having a second thought about it, but we spend so much time and money and effort teaching them gender, teaching them to fit in these roles of passivity or of activeness and masculinity or femininity, whatever it may be. We spend so, so much energy trying to get them to fit into these boxes that they don't really need to be in. Like, it's bizarre. And I think that comes from a weird passed on thing of like, that's how adults understand themselves. So they need kids to understand themselves that way. They need that to be the reality because as soon as it's not, right? Yeah. All of a sudden, I, I don't know who I am. I don't yeah. know what's like up or down or sideways or around or what's real. Who knows? It's scary. It's scary to have your worldview and your conception of identity challenged. But we really do, like, like if you walk into a baby store yeah that's just fucked up it's so it's it's almost like comical the way that it's divided really into is. like blue and pink and it's like girl side boy side like little hunk and also it's a baby that's a strange way to that's describe so a baby yeah, no. and then it's like little princess daddy's girl I also i hate that term i don't know why that has to be a thing no it's it's wild from birth we're putting them into these positions even before birth because now we have this wacko trend of gender reveal parties yeah it's really bananas. like what the fuck is that it's also just like sometimes i'm just watching this and i'm like how do you guys not know that this is insane yeah that you're so so attached to the gender of your child and like the gender in the most limited sense but it's yeah. like pink balloons blue balloons girl boy people have such like they're so tied to that and like what that means and it changes like how like their conception of their kid yeah and and it, 
I just, and it has to be a big thing, but you post on Instagram? Like, what is this? It just feels like we're going backwards. Like, that feels like such a, like, 1950s, like, cookie-cutter weirdo tradition. I don't know, man. No, it's bizarre, and I think that really, it it's really an example of how we do this to children and how hard it is to impose gender on children because we have to go through all these great extenuating lengths to do it. And it's bizarre that people are so attached to it. And it is really when you look at it, you're like, yeah, of course this is nurture. How could it be nature when this is how we do this? How would we even know? Like, how would you even do that study? Like, how how could you even compare nurture versus nature when but there is can't. no moment yeah. when this isn't being nurtured? Yeah, no. And and even if you don't do it in the home, the minute you step outside, yeah, it doesn't it's being matter. Done. And it does feel like a fear. Like, it feels oh, yeah. like a fear. Yeah. The excessive amount of attention and effort put into it, like you said. It, it feels like we're afraid of something. And I don't know what that is, especially, well, like I I've, have now mentioned several times what I think that is. Uh, <laughs> so surprised. I do know what I think that is. But, but it is incredible. It feels like the more we sort of start to move forward and have these discussions as a society there's an equal resistance you know uh equal yeah. push for every pull or whatever yeah. the fuck that saying is needle in a haystack i don't know <laughs> like why are you sewing in a haystack <laughs> why do you only have one needle uh, the great depression i can't i digress only so many needles <laughs> lots of barns i can't <laughs> only so many so many so many oh my god yeah <laughs> So many barns, one needle. One needle. Yeah, it's like, it's kind of a wild thing. So, uh, question then. Um, what was the... I love questions. I know. We love questions here. Um, with very few, we have very little answers, but we love questions. Um, what was the first time you remember somebody gendering you or you remember being gendered? gendered. Yeah. Um, okay. The first time I remember being aw- or aware, aware yeah. of... of like gender I think I was seven Mm -hmm. and I was staying with my cousins Mm -hmm. and I had this female cousin and she was a tomboy and I was like what's that I'm seven I don't know what anything (laughs) and she was like that means I don't do girly things don't like girl clothes don't girls dumb and I was like yeah girls are dumb so I came home and I was like that's it I'm a tomboy now no more girly clothes for me. So only pants, exclusively hand-me-downs from my male cousins. So like very baggy. <laughs> Lots of hockey references I didn't get. <laughs> and my mom was upset. Uh, we used to fight so much when I was a kid. Because then I was like, from the age of like seven to, I don't think I owned a skirt until like our last year of high school. Yeah. Um, so like really 10 years, like seven to 17. It was like tomboy like hardcore tomboy and like from the ages of seven to like I'm gonna say like grade eight after that my mom gave up but like we would just like we would fight like I have memories of of me like crying in hallways or like locking myself in the bathroom because like she did she wanted me to put on a dress or whatever and I like would not do it but it is this strange thing that, that it had such an emotional weight for my mother that I I would not dress like a girl. And my mom is not super strict. She's not super conservative. But I talked to her about this, and, like, one of the things she said was, she was like, well, 
like the way that you looked reflected on me which I thought was really interesting because it was like well why does this reflect poorly on you or, or like why does it worry you so much that people will look at your daughter dressed like a boy and and think something about about you like what are they thinking again it comes back to that fear right like it's just like this weird sort of yeah fear of playing with gender identity and I was not like I still looked very like very feminine like I was wearing baggy boy clothes but like I had long hair like yeah. I wasn't like whatever not but I just mean like yeah. it's not even like it was to the 10th like it's not even like I really took it to like anywhere where she had to have like conversations with people about it like yeah. it was just a, I was just a tomboy and even like a year ago my cousin got married and I was like I'm wearing a suit to the wedding and my mom like her eye like twitches <laughs> she's like a suit <laughs> and I was like I guess <laughs> and I looked great you she did she it did was really great. great it was mom and like she's fine with like we're all fine I, I I'm mostly dressed pretty feminine now anyways but like but, but that was, like, that really defined a lot of my childhood was, was dressing masculine and really fighting against identifying as not a girl, but as feminine. Yeah. Um, because, especially when you're a kid, everything you hear in relation to femininity is weakness. And, like, my whole life, that's been something that's really bothered me. Like, I'm not weak. Girls don't do things, you know? Girls don't climb trees. They don't play sports. Girls don't get muddy. Um my my uncle would always be like oh like get the boys to whatever chop the wood when we go camping or to carry things and like that used to really anger me so I was like I do not want to be seen as a girl because I don't want to be seen as weak yeah because passive weak like femininity like yeah being taken care of none of those things were things that I identified with yeah and that's like the only message that you get about femininity especially at that age especially at that age you don't hear any other version of it Well, and, like, I was a camp counselor, and something that was really big was you would just, like, watch these boys just tear these little girls down. Like, girls, I don't want girls on my team. They can't run very fast. I don't want to hear girl ideas. Girls are dumb. And you watch over this two-week period, these girls, they're like, okay, well, I don't want to play anymore. So they just sit it to the side. They're like, well, I don't want to participate, so they don't put up their hand because they just get shot down at, like, every single turn and I remember talking to my mom about that as well and she was like well I guess they grow out of that and I was like no No. I actually don't think they grow out of that I think we live in a society because like I remember having that stuff said to me too and it's just like the adults laugh and they're like oh Uh... like girls and boys just don't get along and that's we talk about it as though it's a 50 50 split yeah and it's not because the girls really don't have anything to come back with right because we live in a society where like femininity is just automatically a bad thing yeah like the boys have that arsenal and what do the girls say they just say shut up jimmy (laughs) that's it that's all they have they're being told from absolutely every angle that the boys are correct yeah and then eventually you know some of those boys start to want to bang those girls so they learn not to say those things out loud and they start talking nicer to you and then you hang out with them and you're like oh but you still think that way yeah you still think like timmy at like age eight yeah you didn't grow out of that you just learned not to say that shit to my face yeah yeah you say it to your other timmy's <laughs> fucking Timmy. Because everybody apparently has the same name. <laughs> Every boy has a little Timmy inside of him. Oh. <laughs> and I hate that. I hate that little Timmy. 
What about you, friend? What what thoughts of gender, childhood? Please tell me. Sit on my couch. Lay down. <laughs> this is in fact your couch. I but, mean, it's uh, our it's couch while well, it's here. Um, I I do remember that I had to be different kinds of feminine for my mom and my dad because my parents were divorced and they got divorced. Like, I don't remember them together. I was so young. So it, it was always, like, immediately from the time I could remember performing different versions of femininity. Like, my mom wanted me to have long hair. She was super into things that we would consider, like, quote-unquote, girly. And, like, that is how she felt the most comfortable as me presenting. My dad didn't... He wanted me to perform femininity, but only in the way that he understood it as acceptable. Um which was he wanted me to dress feminine but act in a way that he would consider to be masculine, mm. right? And I sort of had my own idea about how I wanted to perform femininity, but then when I got into school, I realized that, like, I couldn't, like, the message that I got was that I couldn't be feminine because of things that were inherent to me. Like, I had teachers tell me, because femininity is very tied to being quote-unquote pretty, right in society and so I would have teachers tell me on picture day that I had to straighten my hair like I have very curly like tight frizzy hair my mom whenever we got my hair done I would say well just leave it curly and she would ask the hairdresser to straighten it to blow it out and like I know now how to make a blowout last for a week like because that was so important right um and also like my weight's been another really big thing like if I don't if I'm not restricting like if I just be a person I am like plus size or in between straight and plus size and that was a big thing too everybody everybody had everything to say about my weight and I understood that as well I can't be girly because I look this way these things don't match up with femininity when really what I meant was this isn't pretty and that's why I can't be that way the other thing is like it's interesting because like I've always been like I've always had lots of female friends like or, like feminine friends um, because guys were awful to me. Like, from day one, boys were horrible. Like, I'm talking, like, making lists about things that were wrong with me, playing pranks, seeing which guy could, like, get me to stand alone, and, the like, stuff like that. Like, they were awful. And it's not that, like, girls were also not awful, but there were always girls who were on my side. And so I associated with, I was like, okay, well, this is safe. Like, femininity is safe for me. So... If I just do that, like if I can just blend in this way, then it's fine. And I think that's interesting because I think I really had the opposite experience in that I think that I felt, I also felt not pretty and therefore that added to the, well, if I dress like a boy, then it's, I'm not trying. Yeah. Like to me, that was the most embarrassing bit, right? Yeah. Like I don't want them to think that I'm trying to be pretty. Like, I know yeah. what I am. It's like when you're watching American Idol and someone walks in and they think they're a great singer. <laughs> then they start singing and they're terrible. And you're like, this is awful. They don't know. Yeah. They think they sound great. And I was like, that's not going to be me. Like, just so you know, I know what I am. Um, so I think that girls always made me feel, like, inherently inferior. Yeah. Uh, when I was a kid. And I hung out with boys, like, really up until, like, the end of grade nine i i would say in grade nine my friendship was like my friendship circle was real split it was like 50 50 like boys versus girls from that point on it was mostly girls but uh, to me that always felt like once uh the whole 
sex thing gets thrown into the mix, yeah, it was like you couldn't be friends with boys. Not because all boys want to have sex with you, but if they don't want to have sex with you, they are awful to you. Yeah. Does that make sense? I don't know. Yeah. It, that was like a little bit too crude, but like that's how it kind mean. of felt. Yeah. I also think that there's this big um, part of being socialized as a female that is you are never going to be really worth anything until you are sexually desired. Yeah. Specifically sexually desired yeah. by men. You shouldn't necessarily fulfill those sexual no. <laughs> desires, but until you are desired by them and then that is, you know, played out in our fictions, any kind of uh any of the big teen novels that have come out in recent years yeah. that have a female protagonist also always have to have a fucking love triangle. Yeah. Because how the hell would you know that she's worth anything if she was not desired by every other fucking man in the book? Yeah. But that's how it feels. So, of course, it makes sense that, like, you go and you stand here because you're told that ultimately it doesn't matter what you do if you don't have their desire you're not re- you're not really worth that much you're no. somehow falling short of what a woman is supposed to be yeah well i always call that like prettiness as currency and it's like people treat you differently when you look the way they want you to look yeah like it's so like you know like or like people are like well why don't you just come out of the shower and you don't do anything to your hair i'm like well because People treat me differently when my hair is curly versus when my hair is straight. That happens. Like, in, it happens at work a lot. Work, I had my boss. So my boss has, like, naturally curly hair. And I had my, it's not curly like mine, but it's just, like, not straight. And she was like, well, it's unprofessional if I come to work without my hair blown out. And there I am with, like, my hair, like, because, you know, fuck, who's going to fucking blow their hair out in the morning anymore? Um, and so, like, you know, you're like, but people treat me differently. Like, Men in particular. Yeah. Well, or like that work thing, like the idea that it's unprofessional to come to work without makeup. It's unprofessional to come to work not in heels. That is insane. But makeup is one of those things, like most things with women, that's very like, you know, screwed if you do, screwed if you don't. Yeah. Like if you wear makeup, it's all, well, what are you hiding? Why are you so insecure? Why are you wearing makeup? You're fake. You're this, blah, blah, blah. If you don't wear makeup, it's like, you're a slob. Why aren't you yeah. trying harder? Um, you look ugly. I mean, beauty standards for men and women are equally unobtainable. But women are penalized way more when they do not meet those beauty standards. Yeah, for sure. If you even just look at the sitcom format, mm-hmm. right? The sitcom format is fat, dopey man with thin, pretty woman. Like, whether that's cartoon or live action, that's it. So we can imagine a real mediocre man, but, like, we can't imagine a mediocre woman ever being loved or having a family or whatever. And and, and makeup comes back to that. Like, as a woman, you can't just, like, look like a person. Like, you have to look like you're ready for a fucking Vogue photo shoot, yeah. like, 24-7. And, yeah, sometimes I don't care, and sometimes I do. So much of this, because we're inundated with it our whole lives, I have internalized. And, like, so sometimes I wear makeup because I have to do that for myself. Yeah. It's not even, like, who are you trying to impress? Like, I'm just trying to be able to walk out the front door. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's also, like... (laughs) 
I say this a lot, but like, I, I, I particularly like there's there's like men who I know who like are super feminist or like they, you know, whatever. You didn't see those air quotes. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, but they still like they still have this internalized like demonization or belittling of anything that is considered super feminine. feminine. Yeah. And I always like to say. And it's a slight uh, twist on a Grey's Anatomy quote because I'm a big Chandra fan, but it's like, you don't get to tell me how I repair the culture that you broke, like that you broke. Like you don't get to, while this entire culture holds you up and, and bolsters you up, you don't get to tear down what makes me feel good or makes me be able to interact with other people. Also, you don't understand that. You don't understand the fact that in a job interview, someone's not gonna take me as seriously if I don't have makeup on or if I don't dress a certain way. Like. You know, like I, I, you don't get to tell me how I, how I can navigate it because I have to live. Like I have to interact with other people. If I could just interact with only people who were awesome and like thought I was great regardless, then trust me, I would, I'd be on my own fucking island right now. But I don't live in that world. Yeah. You don't get to tell me how I cope with my insecurities. No, you don't. It's like a new twist on the whole it's weak, right? It's like, well, you should be you should be believe in yourself more you should be stronger than that you know if you're yeah. a strong powerful woman you don't need makeup yeah uh oh. and it's like well fuck you if you're a strong powerful woman you don't care about clothes yeah and it's like no i i'm a strong powerful woman so i get to care about what the fuck, fuck i want to care, care about. about that was like the biggest so like i think everyone has this like evolution into like feminism or like how they get introduced to it and how it works and whatever and like when i first got introduced to it i was like okay this is how it is like i have to be like this this and this and a lot of it is about tearing down other women in those first stages because you you want to feel okay about it but when you realize that it's just about having a fucking choice opens up your whole world yeah your whole world this hemming and hawing and like restricting and whatever like attaching all of these things to different genders it's all about some kind of control right and you're just like okay well no I don't want this like just like let boys be feminine let women be let everybody be whatever the fuck they want to be and I don't know like it's fine I think life is so big and so hard to understand and comprehend that people are constantly grasping at ways to make it smaller yeah to make it easier to truncate and to wrap your head around it so it's two genders one gender is good one gender is bad men and women together that's it one sexuality is easier that way like oh absolutely we're here to make babies and live yeah like it's it's just easy like people stick so much to these things to life made by god that's it we're done yeah we can't because otherwise it's just chaos like otherwise it's just too big yeah yeah life is easier if it ends at the foot of your driveway right yeah yeah Yeah. exactly yeah which doesn't make that right it's just that i think that that's where well obviously that's wrong but uh, (laughs) you know sorry uh but it's just that i think that's where so much of this like clawing comes from it's just like no like I need something to be set I need something to be small I need something to be right in front of me and easy to understand and then when people come out and they're like actually I don't fit any of those labels I don't fit any of those boxes people are like well I can't have you then like I just can't have you because I I don't know I I can't have more things I don't understand I can't have more questions that don't have answers yeah, absolutely. Um, and I can't relate to you. I think that's a big thing, too, 
people just being like, well, I don't understand that, so it can't be right. Yeah, I, I know. don't really I get that a lot. I don't, I don't really get that on on like a personal level. I've just like heard that from people. Like somehow there's just some people who, if they don't feel that exact feeling, they just like can't make that leap. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Well, I, I mean, I don't get that in that I don't personally feel that way, but I've experienced that from yeah. other people, especially, like, coming out as bi. Like, that's a big thing. Like, people really don't understand. They're, they have I a know. lot of trouble. They're like, well, and it's not just, like, older. Like, it's, I've, no, I I've know. experienced it's from so everyone. It's like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, I don't know. What What do you mean? What do I mean? I, I don't get it. I don't get so much of it. Like, what, what do you mean you're transgender? Like, yeah. what do you mean? What do they mean? They, that's what they mean. Yeah, like, Why is that so hard? Like, why do, I also guess, like, why do you have to understand it? Like, why yeah. can't you just accept that? That's always my thing. And, like, it's not that I don't understand that because you have had so much embedded in you over and over again that it takes you time to adjust to saying the thing or, like, do, but what I don't understand is why can't you just respect them right away? Yeah. Like, I, what I don't understand is, like, the, the, like, you know verbal gymnastics that goes into the respect part of it yeah like whatever okay like you fuck up a pronoun and then you fix it all right I get it it might take you a second fine but they deserve your respect immediately and I don't understand why that's so hard it really is learning a new way of communicating and that takes time yeah um English is not my first language I get that like it's like you know it's it's a rough thing but you just fix like you just fix it but it's the and eventually you just adjust yeah you get it right it's the Jordan Petersons of the world who are just like no I will not do this and you're like why well I also hate the like it's not correct English I'm like what is correct English like that is such a idiotic tiny minded argument that makes no sense like most of these arguments but it's just like for you to say that proves that you have no understanding of the English language like we have it is only in the last like few hundred years that we've had set grammar Shakespeare never wrote his name the same way twice (laughs) and that's fucking Shakespeare and also Shakespeare invented new words so that they fit into his fucking poetry stanzas yeah so we can learn how to say they we can learn how to say we can learn how to like 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 grammar is constantly evolving language is constantly evolving and that is a good thing evolution is a good thing how has has nobody grasped this concept yet staying still staying stagnant is bad you know what happens to stagnant water it gets gross (laughs) disease and bugs you ever swim in a stagnant lake don't maybe you get Lyme disease yeah you want it to move maybe you get Lyme disease like (laughs) I don't understand how you can sit there and just be like, it's not, it's not proper English. Like, this isn't how we speak. As though we've always spoken this way. We have not. We have not always spoken this way. Language, language has to suit our needs. Our purposes. Language is not, not something that needs to be preserved. It needs to constantly be changing so that we're able to communicate in a way that makes sense for us. Because we're constantly changing, and that's part of this. I think, like, part of it is people are so resistant to developing new ideas. around. That goes back to the uh, around gender. Sorry, I have this habit of not finishing my sentences, and in a podcast recording, who that needs, is a problem. Because <laughs> Sophia knows what I mean, but you don't really know me that <laughs> we're well, We're just, maybe. like, really good at communicating we are. We non-verbally. Are. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, we're so resistant to 
these changes and like the way that these roles work uh, that's like the sex the the like um biological sex thing as well right people are, are so so resistant to opening up what that means they're like no the binary and you're like nope <laughs> but i just i just don't understand why people get so attached to things that don't affect them and affect others like when someone's like okay, I get that you don't understand identifying with the pronoun, whatever, like, they. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it affects me, and it hurts me when you don't use that pronoun. So could yeah. you use that pronoun? I don't understand at that point being like, no! No. Because I don't want to. No. Like, I, like, when I was a camp counselor, I had a child. Like, I didn't have a child. I was looking after a child in the camp, Jesus. Anyways, he was a racist. But he was also eight, so he wasn't really racist. I have a point here, I promise. But you would go to him, and you'd be like, hey, you can't say those things. You're hurting people. And he'd be like, oh my gosh, what? I'm hurting people? I did not know. I will go apologize. Like, this kid could grasp that. Clearly, he had internalized something. Yeah, well, he's repeating something his parents yeah. were saying. For but sure. all you, like, once he was able to make that connection between what he was saying and, like, harming other people... It was like, oh, okay, I won't say that thing anymore. So, Jordan Peterson, I don't understand if an eight-year-old can grasp that concept, why the fuck are you having so much difficulty with it? Well, I, like, me, the next thing I'm going to say isn't me condoning this or saying it's a good idea, but I think, like, what happens is, like, me coming to terms with, like, my sexuality, I've done it in a very specific way. And I think because um, being a queer person who's bisexual, you, you, um you're not seen as legitimate by a lot of different communities so the way that you attach to that you become very or I become very I'm not going to speak for other people but I become very attached to that so then when someone has a different experience or of bisexuality and queerness my first reaction sometimes is to be like well no that's not like that because then that means I'm not like that but it takes me a set it only really takes me a second to then be like chill out Melina yeah it's not the best comparison by any means at all but it's just the way that I sort of understand and see that happening people are like well if that's like that then I'm not real but I think like one of the biggest differences there is that you are part of a community that is constantly under attack Jordan Peterson is not no he's a straight white man yeah he what what are you you've never been attacked I guess that white straight men feel attacked these days but like it's It's like not the same to quote Bo Burnham, like, we used to have all the money and land, and we still do, but it's not as fun now. Like, (laughs) that's basically their stance. But it's like, he has not had to prove his identity the way that you and other members of the LGBTQ community have had to prove their identities. So it makes sense that you're slightly more protective of it. It doesn't make sense that Jordan Peterson and the people like him, we're just picking on him, but like, whatever. Uh, I had to hear him. I had to listen to him speak on several occasions because I went to U of T. Yeah. Um, and it's just like, it's all. You're He's like, a Canadian fuck. and I just feel like we don't. No, we don't need any more bad press. We don't rag on Canadians enough. No, we don't. We don't. <laughs> um, Get out. Get out of my house. Um, He's not in my house. People don't fit into boxes. No. Nothing is binary. Nothing is simple. There's no yes or no answer to literally anything that has to do with human identity. No. No, you just do the best you can and, like, really do the best you can to not harm other people. Yeah. Like, listen, and I know that, like, there's this thing where it's like, well, I don't want to watch every single thing I say. And, like, I get that. Just, like, listen to yourself talk. Yeah. And just, like, be a little bit more conscious about the language you're using when it comes to your body and other people's bodies. Yeah. Yeah. Or just allowing for space. Just yeah. Just allow for space yeah. for people. That's yeah. all. 
Yeah. So that people don't feel trapped. No. Yes. Surprise. Surprise. Thank you guys for coming on this journey with us. We covered a breadth of topics. Truly we did. Um, All of the episodes are not going to be like this. I mean, you know that at this point. Like, some will be more focused, but like some, I think, just like a little discussion, a little little chit- I think this was a good episode. I think we did good. I mean, all of our episodes are great. Oh, yeah. Um, It's not a big deal. It really helps us out if you rate our podcast because it helps other people find us, especially on iTunes. Also, you should leave us a review because maybe if they're funny, we'll read them. Um, Maybe. We might. So, step up your game. Yeah. um, Yeah, do that. It helps us out. Also, you know, boost our egos. Yeah. Yeah. Follow us on shit. Yeah. You know. Do all those things. There's a bit at the end. You'll hear it. You'll, You'll hear, hear it. it. Yeah. You know. You know the drill. Yeah. You know how this fucking works. Subscribe in the box below. That's YouTube. It's fine. <laughs> Whatever. We're millennials or something, right? Great. Love it. Peace out. Bye! If you've made it all the way to the end, we thank you. We pity you. But also, we thank you. You can find us on all kinds of socials we don't know how to use. Uh, we're Akko Rocco, A-W-K-O-R-O-C-O on Twitter and Akko on Instagram. If you have topics, ideas, questions, compliments, you can email us at akkorocco at gmail.com. We do not accept complaints. Um, if you like what we do and you want us to do it better, you can support us on Patreon. We'll leave a link in the show notes. Big thanks to Nathan for our intro music and Callum for our beautiful icon art. We'll link his Instagram in the show notes as well. He does real good art. Please check it out. That's all she wrote, folks. See you next week. Go be awkward.